0: Chapter Eight of A Noble Woman The Life Story of Edith Cavell by Ernest Prothero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight In Memoriam It is almost impossible to express how deeply the heart of the nation was stirred by the crowning deed of infamy signalized in the tyrannous execution of Edith Cavell and all classes from the highest to the lowest were desirous of testifying their admiration of one whose devotion to duty and consecrated death will ever be an inspiration to our race the following message was dispatched from the king and queen to mrs cavill the stricken mother of the dead heroine buckingham palace october twenty third nineteen fifteen dear madam by command of the king and queen I write to assure you that the hearts of their Majesties go out to you in your bitter sorrow, and to express their horror at the appalling deed which has robbed you of your child. Men and women throughout the civilized world, while sympathizing with you, are moved with admiration and awe at her faith and courage in death. Believe me, dear madam, yours very truly, Stamfordham. Queen Alexandra's letter, through the medium of the rector of Sandringham, ran as follows i am commanded by her majesty queen alexandra to write and say how deeply her majesty feels for you in the sad and tragic death of your daughter her majesty views the unheard-of act with the utmost abhorrence no words of mine are in any way adequate to express the deep feelings of her majesty as she spoke to me of miss cavell's death Her Majesty's first thought was of you, and I was to tell you how deeply, very deeply, Her Majesty sympathises with you. Her poor, poor mother, I go on thinking of her, were Her Majesty's words. The women of England are bearing the greatest burden of this terrible war, but by all, the name of Miss Cavell will be held in the highest honour and respect. We shall always remember that she never once failed England in her hour of need may god bless and comfort you is the prayer of her majesty naturally the tragic death of their heroic sister went like a trumpet-blast through the ranks of the nursing profession and the following letter of sympathy addressed to mrs cavell from the president and council of the royal british nurses association was signed by princess christian herself We, the President and Council of the Royal British Nurses' Association, desire to express the warm and heartfelt sympathy of the whole association with you in the bereavement which has fallen on you in such tragic circumstances. Your daughter's heroic death is one which will always remain a lasting memorial to devotion, courage, and self-sacrifice, and her name will ever be remembered among those heroes who have laid down their lives for their country of the condolences from abroad a few examples must suffice m cambon the french ambassador in london received from the committee of foreign affairs of the chamber of deputies the following telegram for transmission to the house of commons the Chairman and members of the committee of foreign affairs of the chamber of deputies deeply moved by the tragic fate of miss Cavill, desire to offer to the members of the house of commons the expression of the respect and admiration which they feel for the noble heroine of british patriotism and beg the house of commons to accept on behalf of themselves and of their colleagues their message of grief and indignation acting under the instructions of his government the belgian minister telegraphed to mrs cavell the belgian government shares with emotion and respect in your grief our entire population today associates in a universal sentiment of admiration and gratitude the name of miss cavell with that of the many belgian women who have already fallen martyrs to german barbarism and from whose innocent blood will arise new heroism for the defence of civilization. a great memorial service london in particular and the nation in general laid its wreath of prayer around the bier of Edith Cavell in a great memorial service held in St. Paul's Cathedral on October ninth, 1915. It was a fitting and touching token of affection and admiration of one of our greatest national heroines, solemnly performed in one of the most sacred of our national shrines. The morning found London enshrouded in blue-grey mist, but at eleven o'clock, the time of service, the weather-worn old sanctuary commenced to gleam in pale sunshine, as if it were a halo from the glorious dead, to lighten the gloom of the sorrowing multitude. St. Paul's Cathedral has witnessed many moving ceremonies, sad and joyful, pathetic and glorious, but never in its history had it witnessed a spectacle quite like the present occasion, which had its origin in a brutal act of tyranny, that had given rise to a cry of horror to agitate the civilized world under wren's great dome were gathered representatives of every department of the national life mr e w wallington attended on behalf of the king and queen it had been expected that queen alexandra would be similarly represented but her majesty preferred to attend in person in strictest privacy typical of that gracious tact that has made her universally beloved and one more proof of her special friendship for nurses The family of the martyred nurse was represented by two married sisters, Miss Scott Cavell, matron of the Hull and East Riding Convalescent Home, and other relatives. The aged mother was not present. She was too weighed down by weight of years and sorrow, to face a public ordeal whose pathos would have been too poignant to bear. In imagination could be conjured up a white-haired stately dame in her quiet Norwich home, engaging in a simultaneous service all her own in the silence of her saddened heart among the more distinguished members of the congregation were the prime minister and not a few members of the cabinet members of both houses of parliament sir a keogh representing lord kitchener lord charles beresford a popular representative of the navy the diplomatic corps the high commissioners of canada and australia the deputy lord mayor and sheriffs in state and notable representatives of the arts sciences commerce etc for the rest there was a vast concourse all bent upon the one single purpose of taking advantage of the grave and beautiful anglican ritual to place on record without bitterness hate or venom their deep sense of the foul crime that had sent edith cavill to her death but the outstanding feature of the multitude was the nurses six hundred of them were in reserved seats but there must have been at least two thousand in the building first and foremost were various members of miss cavell's training school in belgium and of course the london in their dark rifle green had a prominent place in the great company of nurses of all grades ambassadors and delegates of their noble profession many of them were simply in caps and aprons with a cloak around their shoulders suggesting that they had come straight from their duties in the city's palaces of pain to engage in a service that was a fresh consecration of their merciful calling except for the gorgeous habiliments of the civic officials queen alexandra's corps of nurses provided the only note of colour in the touch of red at the capes for even the band of the 1st lifeguards were dressed in sober khaki instead of their usually resplendent uniforms wounded soldiers often in groups were pathetically noticeable among the congregation poor fellows who could testify above all others to the mercy and healing brought to the sick and the maimed by a noble type of good heroic womanhood of the whole immense gathering the majority were women a large proportion of them were in black the significant badge of grief for the loss of their own particular dear ones the brave fellows who have laid down their lives on the battlefields or on the ocean of whose mistress ship they died as the cathedral clock boomed out the hour the drums rolled in prelude to chopin's funeral march which struck the first note of emotion in the massed assembly and brought it to its feet slowly the choir headed by the symbol of our and edith cavell's faith moved to their places preceding the clergy chief of whom were the bishop of london and dr bury the bishop of central europe The service proper commenced with the hymn Abide With Me, in which ten thousand voices joined, and never was it sung with more feeling and reverence. The last verse in particular must have called to every mind that inexpressibly sad scene at St. Gilles prison. The words brought solace and strength to Nurse Cavill, and some of her quiet faith. Her touching fortitude seemed to be communicated to the congregation following the special psalms and the lesson from the burial service band and organ together played the dead march in saul and as the notes pulsed and throbbed pealed out with mighty rush of sound or decreased to little more than the volume of human breath the terror of death became secondary to the triumph of the spirit with singularly moving effect the choir commenced to sing the liturgy of st chrysostom the beautiful prayer that contrasted so strongly with the crashing harmonies that had scarcely ceased to reverberate far up in the empty dome prayers from the burial service were followed by a special petition that laying aside our divisions we may be united in heart and mind to bear the burdens which the war has laid upon us the congregation sang through the night of doubt and sorrow, with its happy marching swing. The Bishop of London pronounced the benediction, then came the resonant notes of the national anthem, and the organ played a recessional, as the choir and clergy retired. A moment later, two thousand nurses fell to their knees, and, if ever a soul went well charioted to its maker, it was the soul of Edith Cavill the service was over and those who had been privileged to participate in a soul-searching ceremony streamed out into the hum of the mightiest camp of men the world has ever known it was like coming from the holy of holies with an everlasting memory to kindle the love and enthusiasm of all who worship at the shrine of duty and the wonder of it all it was a great national tribute to one who a fortnight earlier was unknown outside her own family and immediate circle of friends she had lived unknown till persecution dragged her into fame and chased her up to heaven as a cry of horror and execration mingled with agonized pity for her harrowing fate flashed her name from peak to peak and continent to continent the columns of the british press were flooded with letters denouncing the crime and acknowledging the death of the martyr as an irresistibly compelling call to duty and innumerable suggestions were made for perpetuating in tangible form the memory of a daughter of england who had taught us how to die one notable scheme for a memorial was speedily announced in connection with the london hospital which happened to be establishing a new nursing home which was to bear the name of queen alexandra with true nobility of heart queen alexandra promptly requested that the name should give way to that of edith Cavill, and public subscriptions quickly assured an enlargement of the original scheme. The Daily Telegraph initiated a subscription fund, to provide a statue in stone and bronze by Sir George Frampton, and the eminent sculptor intimated that his work would be a labour of love and a voluntary gift. The Westminster City Council offered a site opposite the National Portrait Gallery, and thus the statue will face Trafalgar Square, already rich in national memories edith cavell's death first became known in england on trafalgar day the base of the nelson monument was hidden under the customary floral tributes to our greatest naval hero and amid them was placed a wreath of laurels a symbol of the martyrdom of the heroic nurse of which the public would learn through the press the following day it will be peculiarly fitting for the statue to edith cavell whose last words were that she was glad to die for her country to be within sight of the column where stands the one-armed Nelson, whose last immortal signal England expects every man to do his duty, has ever been an inspiration, not only to the fleet, but to every true lover of his country. Other ideas for the perpetuation of the name of Nurse Cavell included the raising of a Cavell regiment that should be a living monument of brave men, who would be heartened and vivified by the noble life and death of their devoted countrywoman, but the true spirit of Britons negatived the necessity for a particular regiment. The next day, after the announcement of the death of Miss Cavell, every eligible man in her native village joined the forces, and the recruits, all told, must have numbered many thousands. Probably it would afford general satisfaction if another proposal bore fruit, namely, the institution of a new order, equivalent to the Victoria Cross, for heroism by women of our race and empire and the heroism of our women in the present war emphasizes the justice and wisdom of some such acknowledgment. Up and down the country there were soon memorial schemes, generally in connection with local hospitals or the British Red Cross Society. One of the first of this kind was the endowment of a bed in King Edward VII's Hospital, Cardiff, by Sir W. J. Thomas. There speedily followed the proposed institution of other beds, to be named after Miss Cavell the city of dublin hospital asked for five hundred pounds to endow a bed the ediths of yorkshire commenced to collect to perpetuate her memory in the north and a fund of one thousand pounds was started for a free bed for nurses at the mount vernon hospital for consumption miss scott cavell made it known that her sister had hoped some time in the future to establish a home for nurses only those either convalescent or tired or who required a temporary home on holiday from abroad or a temporary place of rest only a subscription list was at once opened to give effect to a plan that had been so near nurse cavell's heart a similar idea but on a larger scale was favoured by sir john howard well known in brighton as the giver of the john howard convalescent home for ladies in reduced circumstances he announced that in memory of miss he would build twenty four cottage homes for incapacitated nurses and endow each with the sum of ten shillings a week. This munificent memorial will entail the expenditure of about thirty thousand pounds. End of chapter eight.